Chapter eighteen of the Canadians of Old by Philippe Aubert de Gaspé. Translated by Sir Charles G. D. Roberts. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. Conclusion. Ainsi passe sur la terre tout ce qui fut bon, vertueux, sensible. Homme, tout n'est qu'un songe rapide, un rêve douloureux. Tout n'existe que par le malheur. Tout n'est quelque chose que par la tristesse de ton âme et l'éternelle mélancolie de ta pensée. Chateaubriand after the departure of the guests the family fell back into the sweet intimacy of former days jules whom his native air had restored to health passed the greater part of the day in hunting with archie the abundance of game at that season made the pastime very agreeable they took supper at seven they went to bed at ten and the evenings seemed all too short even without the help of cards jules who was ignorant of what had passed between his sister and archie could not but be struck with his friend's unusual sadness of which however he failed to guess the cause to all questions on the subject he received an evasive answer finally imagining that he had found the root of the difficulty one evening when they were alone together he put the question directly i have noticed my brother said he the sadness which you endeavor to conceal from us you are unjust to us archie you do yourself an injustice you should not brood over the past in saving the lives which would otherwise have been lost in the shipwreck of the auguste you have done my family a service which more than compensates for what took place before it is we now who owe you a debt of gratitude which can never be repaid it was very natural that prejudiced by report and for the moment forgetful of your noble heart even such friends as we embittered by our losses should lend an ear to calumnies against you but you know that a simple explanation was enough to re-cement our old friendship if my father bore his grudge for a long time you know his nature and must make allowance for it he feels now all his old affection for you our losses have been in great part repaired and we live more tranquilly under the british government than we did under the rule of france our habitants have followed the example of cincinnatus as uncle raoul would say and exchanged the musket for the ploughshare they are opening up new land and in a few years this seigneury will be in a most prosperous condition with the help of the little legacy which i lately received we shall soon be as rich as we were before the conquest therefore my dear archie drive away this gloom which is making us all miserable and resume thy former light-heartedness lochiel was silent for some time and only answered after a painful effort impossible my brother the wound is more recent than you imagine and will bleed all my life for all my hopes are destroyed but let us leave the subject for i have already been wounded in my tenderest and purest emotions and an unsympathetic word from you would finish me an unsympathetic word from my lips do you say archie what can you mean by that 
the friend whom i have sometimes vexed with my raillery knows very well what my heart is toward him and that i was always ready to crave his pardon you shake your head sadly great heaven what is the matter what is there that you cannot confide to your brother the friend of your boyhood never have i had anything to conceal from you my thoughts were as open to you as your own and i had imagined that you were as frank with me a curse upon whatever has been able to come between us stop jules stop cried archie however painful my confidences may be to you i must tell you all rather than let you harbor such a cruel suspicion i am going to open my heart to you but on the express condition that you shall hear me uninterruptedly to the end as an impartial judge not till to-morrow will we return to this sore subject meanwhile promise to keep the secret that i am going to confide to you i give you my word said jules grasping his hand thereupon lochiel recounted minutely the conversation that he had had with blanche as soon as he came to an end he lit a candle and withdrew to his own room as for jules he stormed within himself all night having studied women only in the salons of saint-germain his vigorous common sense could ill appreciate the sublimity that there was in the sacrifice which his sister was imposing upon herself such sentiments appeared to him mere romantic and exaggerated nonsense or the product of an imagination rendered morbid by calamity with his heart set upon an alliance which would gratify his dearest wishes he resolved that with the consent of archie he would have a very serious conversation with blanche from which he felt confident he would come off victorious she loves him thought he and therefore my cause is already gained man with all his apparent superiority with all his self-confident vanity has never yet sounded the depths of the feminine heart that inexhaustible treasure-house of love devotion and self-sacrifice the poets have sung in every key this being who came all beauty from the hands of her creator but what is all this physical beauty compared to the spiritual beauty of a noble and high-souled woman indeed who is more miserable than man in the face of adversity when poor pygmy he leans on the fortitude of a woman who bears the burden uncomplainingly it is not surprising then that jules knowing woman only on the surface expected an easy triumph over his sister's scruples come blanche said jules to his sister the next day after dinner there's our scottish nimrod setting out with his gun to get some birds for our supper let's you and i see if we can scale the bluff as nimbly as we used to with all my heart answered blanche you shall see that my canadian legs have lost none of their agility the brother and sister assisting themselves by the projecting rocks and by the shrubs which clung in the crevices of the cliff speedily scaled the difficult path that led to the summit after gazing in silence for a time at the magnificent panorama unrolled before them jules said to his sister 
i had an object in bringing you here i wanted to talk to you on a subject of the greatest importance you love our friend archie you have loved him for a long time yet for reasons that i cannot comprehend for over-exalted sentiments which warp your judgment you are imposing upon yourself an unnatural sacrifice and preparing for yourself a future of wretchedness as for me if i loved an english girl and she returned my affection i would marry her just as readily as if she were one of my own countrywomen blanche's eyes filled with tears taking her brother's hand affectionately she answered if you were to marry an english girl my dear jules i should take her to my heart as a sister but that which you could do without incurring any reproach would be cowardice on my part nobly have you paid your debt to your country your voice has nerved your soldiers through the most terrible conflicts twice has your bleeding body been dragged from our battlefields and three times have you been wounded in old world struggles yes my beloved brother you have fulfilled all your duty to your country and you can afford to indulge if you wish the whim of taking a daughter of england to wife but i a weak woman what have i done for this enslaved and now silent land this land which has rung so often of old with the triumphant voices of my countrymen shall a daughter of the d'abervilles be the first to set the example of a double yoke to the daughters of canada it is natural and even desirable that the french and english in canada having now one country and the same laws should forget their ancient hostility and enter into the most intimate relationships but i am not the one to set the example they would say as i told archie that the proud briton after having vanquished and ruined the father had purchased with his gold the poor canadian girl never never shall it be said and the girl wept bitterly on her brother's shoulder no one will know of it she continued and you yourself will never realize the full extent of the sacrifice i am making but fear not jules i have the strength for it proud of the sentiments by which i have been inspired i shall pass my days serenely in the bosom of my family of this be sure she continued in a voice that thrilled with exultation that she who has loved the noble cameron of lochiel will never soil her bosom with another earthly love you made a mistake in selecting this spot jules wherein to talk to me on such a subject this spot whence i have so often gazed proudly on the mansion of my fathers which is now replaced by yonder poor dwelling let us go down now and if you love me never mention this painful subject again noble soul cried jules and he held her sobbing in his arms archie having lost all hope of wedding blanche d'haberville set himself to repaying the debt of gratitude which she owed dumay the refusal of blanche changed his first intentions and left him more latitude for he now resolved upon a life of celibacy archie whom misfortune had brought to an early maturity 
had studied men and things with great coolness of judgment and he had come to the wise conclusion that marriage is rarely a success unless based on mutual love unlike most young men lochiel was genuinely modest though endowed with remarkable beauty and with all those qualities which go to captivate women he nevertheless remained always simple and unassuming in his manner he further believed with moliere's toinette that the pretense of love often bears a very close resemblance to the reality when i was poor and in exile thought he i was loved for my own sake now that i am rich who knows that another woman would love in me anything but my wealth and my rank even supposing that i should succeed in banishing from my heart my first and only love archie decided then that he would never marry the sun was disappearing behind the laurentian hills when lochiel arrived at the farm of dumay the order and prosperity which reigned there gave him an agreeable surprise the good wife busy in her dairy where a fat servant girl was helping her came forward to meet him without recognizing him and invited him to enter the house this is the house of sergeant dumay i believe said archie yes sir and i am his wife my husband should be back presently from the fields with a load of grain i will send one of the children to hurry him up there is no hurry madam i have called to give you news of a certain mr archie de lochiel whom you once knew perhaps you have forgotten him madame dumay came nearer after studying his face intently for some moments she said there is certainly a resemblance doubtless you are one of his kinsfolk forget mr archie he could never think us capable of such ingratitude do you not know then that he faced almost certain death to save my husband's life and that we pray to god every day that he will bless our benefactor forget mr archie you grieve me sir lochiel was much moved lifting into his lap the little seven-year-old louise dumay's youngest child he said to her and you my little one do you know mr archie i have never seen him said the child but we pray for him every day what do you pray asked archie o oh god bless mr archie who saved papa's life as long as he lives and when he dies take him to your holy paradise lochiel continued to chat with madame dumay till the latter heard her husband's voice at the barn she ran to tell him that there was a stranger in the house with news from mr archie dumay was preparing to pitch off his load but he threw down the fork and rushed into the house it was by this time too dark for him to make out the stranger's face you are indeed welcome said he coming with news from one so dear to us you are sergeant dumay inquired archie you are mr archie cried dumay clasping him in his arms do you think i could forget the voice that cried to me courage when i was hanging on the brink of the abyss the voice i heard so often in my sickness toward the end of the evening archie said my dear dumay i am come to ask a great favor a favor exclaimed dumay 
could i a poor farmer be so fortunate as to do you a favor it would be the happiest day of my life well dumais it depends upon you to restore me to health though i may not look it i am sick more sick than you could imagine indeed said dumais you are pale and sadder than of old good heaven what is the matter have you ever heard of a malady to which the english are very subject and which they call the spleen or blue devils no said dumais i have known several of your english who if i may say it without offence seemed to have the devil in them but i had imagined that these devils were of a darker hue archie began to laugh what we my dear dumais call the blue devils is known among you canadians as pain d'esprit i understand now said dumais but what astonishes me is that a man like you with everything heart could wish should be amusing himself with blue devils my dear dumais replied archie i might answer that every one in the world has his sorrows however fortunate he may seem but it is enough now to say that the malady is upon me and that i count upon you to help me to a cure command me mr archie for i am at your service day and night i have tried everything continued archie i have tried study i have tried literary work i am better in the daytime but my nights are usually sleepless and when i do sleep i wake up as miserable as ever i have concluded that nothing but hard manual labor can cure me after toiling all day i imagine that i shall win such a slumber as has long been denied me very true said dumais when a man has labored all day with his hands i defy him to suffer from sleeplessness at night but how shall i have the pleasure of helping you i expect you to cure me my dear dumais but listen while i explain my plans i am now rich and since providence has given me wretches which i had never expected i should employ a portion of them in doing good in this parish and the neighborhood there is an immense deal of land unoccupied either for sale or to be granted my plan is to take up a large acreage of such lands and not only superintend the clearing but work at it myself you know that i have good arms and i will do as much as any of the rest i know it said dumais there are many poor fellows continued archie who will be glad enough to get work at such good wages as i shall give you understand dumais that i shall have to have some one to help me moreover what would i do in the evening and during bad weather without a friend to keep me company it is then that my melancholy would kill me let us set out to-morrow cried dumais and visit the best lots which for that matter i already know pretty well thank you said archie grasping his hand but who will take care of your farm in your frequent absences don't be anxious on that score sir my wife could manage very well alone even without her brother an old bachelor who lives with us my farm has never suffered much from my absence i have always preferred the musket to the plough my wife scolds me occasionally on this subject but we are none the worse friends for that 
do you know said archie that yonder by the edge of the river near that maple grove is the most charming situation for a house yours is old we will build one large enough for us all i will build it on condition that i have the right to occupy half of it during my life and on my death all will belong to you i have resolved to remain a bachelor men like you said dumais are altogether too scarce it would be wrong to let the breed die out but i begin to understand that you are thinking less about yourself than about me and my family and that you are seeking to make us rich let us speak frankly answered archie i have no true friends in the world but the d'Aberville family and yours thank you sir said dumais for classing us poor farmers with that illustrious family i only consider the virtues and good qualities of men answered lochiel to be sure i love and respect birth and breeding which does not prevent me from loving and respecting all men who are worthy of such sentiments i want to give you a fourth part of my fortune oh sir cried dumais lessen a moment my friend continued lochiel when i told you that i was suffering from what you call pain d'esprit i was telling the literal truth i have found the remedy for this trouble it lies in plenty of hard work and in helping my friends i am going to give you during my lifetime a quarter of my fortune look out for yourself dumais i am obstinate like all scotchmen if you trifle with me instead of a quarter i am as likely as not to give you a half but to speak seriously my dear dumais you would be doing me a very ill turn indeed if you should refuse me if this is the case sir said dumais with tears in his eyes i accept your gift let us leave lochiel busying himself in heaping benefits on dumais and let us return to our other friends the good gentleman now almost a hundred years old lived but a year after jules return he died surrounded by his friends having been most lovingly nursed by blanche and jules throughout the month of his last illness a little while before his death he begged jules to open his bedroom window and casting a feeble glance toward the stream which rolled peacefully past his door he murmured there it is my friend there's the walnut tree in whose shadow i told you the story of my misfortunes it was there i counselled you from my own experience i die content for i see that you have profited by my words when i am gone take this little candlestick it will remind you of the vigils it has witnessed and of the advice which i have given you as for you my dear and faithful andre exclaimed monsieur d'egmont it grieves me to leave you alone in this world where you have shared my sorrows you have promised me to pass the rest of your days with the d'abervilles who will care for your old age tenderly you know that after your death the poor are to be our heirs my dear master said francaire sobbing the poor will not have long to wait for their inheritance 
having bid farewell to all his friends the good gentleman asked the priest to say the prayers for the dying just at the words parte am chrétienne au nom de dieu tout puissant qui vous a créé he breathed his last stern would have said the recording angel of the court of heaven shed a tear upon the follies of his youth and blotted them out forever the angels are more compassionate than men who neither forget nor forgive the faults of others andre francaire was struck with paralysis on the day of his master's burial and survived him but three weeks when jules had said to his sister if i loved an english girl and she would have me i would marry her as readily as one of my own countrywomen blanche had been far from suspecting her brother's real intentions the truth was that jules on his voyage across the atlantic had made the acquaintance of a young english girl of great beauty a second saint preux jules had given her lessons in something more than french grammar during a passage that lasted two months he had shown excellent taste the young girl in addition to her beauty possessed the qualities to inspire a true passion all obstacles being at length overcome and the consent of both families obtained in the following year jules married the fair daughter of albion who soon won the hearts of all about her uncle raoul always bitter against the english on account of the leg which he had lost in acadia but too well bred to fail in the proprieties used at first to shut himself up whenever he wanted to swear comfortably at the compatriots of his lovely niece but by the end of a month she had entirely captivated him whereupon he suddenly suppressed his oaths to the great benefit of his soul and of the pious ears which he had scandalized that rascal of a jules said uncle raoul showed very good taste in wedding this young englishwoman his holiness the pope of old was quite right when he said that these young islanders would be angels if only they were christians non angli sed angeli fuissent si essent christiani it was another thing when the dear uncle trotting a little nephew on one knee and a little niece on the other used to sing them the songs of the canadian voyageurs how proud he was when their mother used to cry for pity's sake come to my help dear uncle for the little demons won't go to sleep without you uncle raoul had charged himself with the military education of his nephew therefore before he was four years old this pygmy warrior armed with a little wooden gun might be seen making furious attacks against the ample stomach of his instructor who was obliged to defend with his cane the part assaulted the little scamp said the chevalier recovering himself is going to have the dashing courage of the d'abrevilles with the persistence and independence of the proud islanders from whom he is descended through his mother jose had at first shown himself rather cool toward his young mistress but he ended by becoming warmly attached to her she had speedily found the weak point in his armor of reserve jose like his late father dearly loved his glass which however produced very little effect upon his hard head 
it was as if one should pour the liquor upon the head of the weathercock and expect to confuse the judgment of that venerable but volatile bird his young mistress was forever offering jose a drop of brandy to warm him or a glass of wine to refresh him till jose ended by declaring that if the english men were somewhat uncivil their countrywomen by no means resembled them in that regard with their minds at ease as to the future of their children monsieur and madame d'haberville lived happily to extreme old age the captain's last words to his son were serve your new sovereign as faithfully as i have served the king of france and may god bless you my dear son for the comfort that you have been to me uncle raoul dying three years before his brother bid farewell to life with but one regret he would have liked to see his little nephew fairly launched on the career of arms the only career he considered quite worthy of a d'haberville having perceived however that the child made great progress in his studies he comforted himself with the thought that if not a soldier his nephew might turn out a savant like himself and keep the torch of learning lighted in the family jose who had a constitution of iron and sinews of steel who had never had an hour of sickness regarded death as a sort of hypothetical event one of his friends said to him one day after his master's death do you know jose you must be at least eighty years old and one would scarcely take you to be fifty jose leaned upon his hip to show his steadiness blew through his pipe to expel a bit of ashes fumbled in his pocket with his one remaining hand till he found his tobacco and his flint and steel and at length replied with great deliberation as you know i am the foster brother of our late captain i was brought up in his house i have followed him in every campaign that he has made i have trained his two children i have begun do you see upon a new charge the care of his grandchildren very well then as long as a d'haberville needs my services i don't propose to leave do you think then that you will live as long as the late Salet, methuselah asked the neighbor longer still if need be replied jose then having taken from his pocket everything which he needed he filled his pipe put a bit of lighted tinder on the bowl and applied himself to smoking while he regarded his friend with the air of a man convinced of the truth of everything which he has said jose kept his word for a dozen years but it was in vain that he endeavored to strengthen himself against old age by occupying himself with his usual tasks despite the remonstrances of his masters and at last he was forced to keep the house all the family were anxious about him what is the matter my dear jose said jules bah only laziness replied jose or perhaps my rheumatics but jose had never had an attack of that malady this was only an excuse give the good old fellow ma'am his morning glass it will revive him said archie i am going to bring you a little glass of excellent brandy said madame jules not just now replied jose i always have some in my trunk but 
this morning it doesn't appeal to me they began to be seriously alarmed this was a bad symptom then i am going to make you a cup of tea said madame jules and you will feel better my english wife said jules thinks tea a remedy for all ills jose drank the tea and declared that it was a fine medicine and that he felt better but this did not prevent the faithful servant from taking to his bed that very evening never to leave it alive when the brave fellow knew that his end was drawing near he said to jules who watched with him through the night i have prayed the good god to prolong my life to your children's next holidays so that i might see them once more before i die but i shall not have that consolation you shall see them to-morrow my dear jose an hour later lochiel was on the way to quebec and on the next evening all those who were the dearest in the world to that faithful and affectionate servant were gathered around his deathbed after talking with them for some time and bidding them a most tender farewell he summoned all his strength in order to sit up in bed and when jules approached to support him a burning tear fell on his hand after this last effort of that strong nature he who had shared the good and the bad fortune of the d'abervilles fell back and ceased to breathe let us pray for the soul of one of the best men that i have known said archie closing his eyes jules and blanche in spite of remonstrances would not resign to any one the task of watching beside their old friend during the three days that his body remained at the manor-house if one of our family had died they said jose would not have left him to another's care one day when archie in the course of one of his frequent visits to the d'abervilles was walking with jules in front of the manor-house he saw approaching on foot an old man decently clad carrying a sealskin bag on his shoulders who is that man he asked ah said jules that is our friend monsieur d carrying his office on his back what his office said archie certainly he is an itinerant notary every three months he travels through certain districts drawing up new deeds and finishing up copies of the rough drafts which he always carries with him in order that he may not be taken unawares he is an excellent and very amiable man french by birth and very intelligent on coming to canada he began with a small trade in pictures which proved unprofitable and then remembering that he had formerly studied for two years with an advocate in france he boldly presented himself before the judges and passed an examination which if not brilliant was at least satisfactory enough for his new country and then returned home in triumph with a notary's commission in his pocket i assure you that every one gets on well with his deeds which are drawn with a most scrupulous honesty that supplies the place of the diction purer but often tarnished by bad faith of more learned notaries your nomadic notary replied archie smiling arrives opportunely i have work for him 
in fact lochiel who was already well advanced in the task of clearing which he was so actively engaged upon for the benefit of his friend dumais made over to him in due form all his real estate reserving only for himself during his lifetime the half of the new and spacious house which he had built the visits of archie to the manor house became more frequent as he advanced in age and he ended by establishing himself there altogether blanche was no longer in his eyes anything more than an adopted sister and the sweet name of brother which blanche had given him purified the remnant of passion which yet clung to the heart of this noble woman the author has become so attached to the chief characters in this veracious history that it costs him a pang to banish them from the scene he fears also to grieve those of his readers who may share this attachment should he kill them all off with one stroke of the pen time will do the fatal work without the author's assistance it is eleven o'clock in the evening toward the end of october the d'Aberville family are gathered in a little parlor sufficiently illuminated without the help of the candles by the flame from an armful of dry cedar chips which are blazing in the great chimney lochiel now nearly sixty years of age is playing a game of draughts with blanche jules seated between his wife and daughter near the fire is teasing them both without altogether neglecting the players young archie d'aberville only son of jules and godson of lochiel is in a brown study he is following the fantastic figures which his imagination has created in the flames now dying slowly on the hearth what are you thinking about my grave philosopher said his father i have been watching with intense interest answered the young man a little group of men women and children who have been walking dancing rising falling and who have at length all vanished the cedar fire had just died out you are the true son of your mother a godson worthy of your godfather said jules d'aberville rising to bid good-night like the fantastic figures which young d'aberville was watching in the flames my characters dear reader have been moving for some time before your eyes to vanish suddenly perhaps forever with him who set them in motion farewell then dear reader before my hand growing more cold than our canadian winters refuses any longer to trace my thoughts end of chapter eighteen end of the canadians of old by philippe aubert de gaspe translated by sir charles g d roberts